What's going on, guys? This is Industry 4.0. I'm joined today by a slightly smaller crowd. Not four other people, not three other people, but two other people. I'm joined today by Ryan Thompson and Kyle Fisher. Um, we got a little bit of a different approach to the show for you guys today. Um, just a lot of news with Elon Musk and Tesla and his Gigafactory plans. Um, some news with Volvo this week and... Uh, coming up after the break, we're going to get a little bit into the iPhone. Uh, last Wednesday, we had just missed it on our previous episode, was the 10-year anniversary of the iPhone. So I felt like that kind of deserves an honorable mention in this week's show to at least get covered by us, at least, because <laughs> we totally <laughs> missed it. Um, but it's had such a remarkable impact on the industry, and I'm curious as to get some of your guys' opinions on on that. But in the meantime... Let's uh, just jump straight into the first topic. The Tesla Model 3 goes on sale on Friday. Um, I know Irvin is not on the show, but he had put $1,000 down on one, the uh, the standard pre-order payment that you could have. I'm curious to get his opinion on it as, at a later episode, but what do you guys think of this consumer class Tesla vehicle being re- finally released, not only on time, but actually it's a little bit ahead of time. It passed all of its clearances Two weeks ahead of schedule, which is very different for Tesla. What do you guys think of of this news? I know they're usually slow to everything, which is, I mean, you want them to be with with such a uh, amazing piece of technology. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's the best way to put it. You want them to take their time, make sure everything's good. So it is. It was surprising, but obviously a, a good surprise. It's 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 nice to see right. things moving quicker for them, moving in the right direction. Um, I, I I don't know as much about. Uh, the, the the Tesla is obviously you and Irvin most of all, but um, the one of the things that surprised me and I had I had uh, seen a lot of figures thrown around beforehand was that they've kind of changed a little bit what their estimates were going to be, but everything that they've said from the beginning of the year until now has proven to be accurate. So I don't think you're going to have too many issues because I in the the one article we were referencing, they said that they were going to make. Uh, Musk had said that Tesla would make 10,000 Model 3s per week by December, but now they're saying it's going to be about 20,000 per month, right. which is a little bit underestimates, but I think being upfront about it is also an important factor and an important key in in being a, a business that people trust. So, mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's nice to – it's actually not even nice. It's very refreshing to see Tesla finally being able to keep up with its timelines and being able to deliver not on time but ahead of schedule for some of their products because they've gotten a lot of hits in the stock on regularly being late with their uh, with their releases and um, with this it looks like it's going to really bolster their numbers and the buy-in for this is actually interesting because it's coming in at an at a at a price of thirty five thousand dollars to start which is three grand under the Chevy Bolt. Um, and that seems to be right now their biggest competition. And even so, if you take advantage of it and if you pre-ordered, because I don't think anybody who pre-orders now is going to be able to take advantage of it, but they have that $7,500 federal tax credit, which drops the cost to $27,500, which is incredible for a five-seat electric car that's capable of going 215 miles on a single charge, which is comparable with like the Teslas that are double that price and even getting closer to being as efficient as a gas tank for a car. And zero to 60 in under six seconds is really impressive, especially yeah. for a car that inexpensive. I mean, that's just insane. Yeah. 3,500 Thir- is 
inexpensive for a, a luxury vehicle or a sport type vehicle. I know it's not for like full sport, but a full sport type vehicle, 3,500 is cheap. And like you said, if you were lucky enough to get that pre-order in, just such a right. deal, such a, such an awesome move by this company so far. And like you said, ahead of schedule. Right. Yeah, oh, yeah for sure. And they're saying now, if you do put your pre-order in, so if any of you are thinking of jumping in and getting a, and getting one of these model S's or model threes for your next car, um, they were saying that he's Elon Musk said that he predicts that at the rate they're going now, those cars, if you pre-order today, wouldn't ship until the end of 2018. So you'd still have quite a bit of a wait. And that number kind of indicates that approximately 500,000 people around that have pre-ordered this car. So the federal tax limit is only $200,000 or 200,000 electric cars. So they're going to go way past that. And I think this is either... I think this is even like a make or break moment for Tesla to prove that they can get into the cheaper economy class electric car, the every man's electric car. This is, it has the potential to basically be the model, the model T of its time. Like the first every man's car brought down to a price that everybody can afford as a next car. So I, I, I'm genuinely excited about this if it succeeds and the way it's looking is it's i'm hoping is it's going to succeed oh yeah i'm i'm very excited about it honestly if if i was to choose the next car tomorrow it would, it would be the model three um i remember when Irvin put his down payment on i think it was about like a year year and a half ago now mm-hmm. and he, that was he during the down payment down yeah <laughs> <laughs> and and then he ended up going with the model s and since he got the model s i remember when he put the down payment down i was like well i don't know i don't know if I can trust Tesla that much to put that much money down, you know, it's, they were giving estimates, but it wasn't it wasn't a certain date, and they were saying, oh, you know, you put a grand down, you have you have your pre order in, but you don't know how far down the road it'll be until you get that car. So I was like, yeah, it's kind of risky, but like you know, if you're like a diehard fan, you you love Elon Musk and his products, and he's he's got some great stuff. I mean, it, it's worthwhile. Um, but then after Irvin got the Model S, I think it's part of their Tesla's like marketing scheme. Like they actually have the people who own their cars already market for them. They don't actually have uh, like a marketing team or they don't, you never see commercials on TV for Tesla's stuff like that. Like just riding an Irvin's car, that sold me. That car is excellent. (laughs) And that's, that's the difference between the Tesla and the, like, for example, the article mentions the Chevrolet Bolt, which I said was three grand cheaper. It's only 36. So they're undercutting it by $1,000 and not three, but that car, the, the Chevrolet Bolt can go 238 miles per charge, which is, I believe, according to the article, slightly more than the estimated charge on a Model 3, but it doesn't have half the hype, like you were saying, because it's Tesla. And Tesla has the ability to generate that hype with their cars because they make them look good. Like right. the Model it- the Model S, the Model X, and now the Model 3, they all have this form factor that just screams like quality and luxury. Even though they're coming in at wildly different price points. Oh, for sure. And I, I like to remind people too, again, just I know people are like GM diehards. You, you don't want to buy American and stuff like that. Well, guess what? Tesla is American. It's still all made in America. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it's it's like just an extra plus in my opinion. Right. Um, my, my main concern would be just to see what the used car market would be like in a couple of years from now, just to see how the batteries deteriorate over time. That's what I'm curious about. Right. Because I know if I know they, they have a lot of uh, safety protocols in place to prevent the batteries from like overcharging and, and losing their capacity. But even so, it's still a battery. It's not like a tank of right. gas. <laughs> yeah. And there's a, there's a topic that we're getting into um, a little bit later in the first half that will kind of hopefully answer that and maybe 
explain some of the reasons why that's happening. But to your point, when you were saying that um, to all the people who buy GM and who purchase American vehicles, um, GM has, like I said, they have the Chevrolet Bolt, but also um, Ford is going to have an electric model by 2020, um, they've announced. And companies such as Audi and Volkswagen are also announcing their own Audi, for example, has an electric SUV that's going to, they're reporting to go 300 miles on a single charge. And Volkswagen is just going to play the numbers game it's looking like, and they're going to plan on having more than 30 options by 2025. Wow. So it's Tesla for the longest time owned this market. They had 100% share of all electric quality vehicles and the other ones, there were some that existed at that point, but they were so cheap that nobody wanted them. And they weren't capable of going very long distances, like the Nissan Leaf, which I think had like an 85-mile charge. It's yeah, like, I think unless there's like some major corporate corporate espionage that can take place, I think Tesla's still way ahead of the game in terms of uh, data collection. Right. Like they're still they're going to be able to compete with the market for years to come because they've already been out there collecting data for how many years? Right. Yeah, and it's almost like a two-part front. They're not only sporting all-electric, but it's autonomous to a right. degree. So they have that extra edge, too. It's it's like the the dream car for every nerd in the country. <laughs> <laughs> so I have a question. What do you think made the, uh, the motor vehicle industry determine that the public was ready for this? Like, why now? Why not when Tesla started doing this a few years ago? Why is it now that everybody's just like, huh, this is the way we should go? Like you said, Tesla isn't – they're not everywhere. They're not blowing people out of the water. I mean, right. they're they're doing very well for themselves, but they're not – like it's not a news story that they're taking the motor vehicle industry by storm. Right. So what is – what was the switch, do you think, um, that made people or companies start to go, hey, you know, electric might be the way? This is just purely speculation, but um, – I'm going to go ahead and wager that it had to do with a couple of things. One, there's the rise of the Gigafactory and the push to drop the price in lithium-ion batteries and yeah. get that to a comparable price range to that of gasoline at, the, at a similar price point for, for the consumer. But I think the biggest thing is in what we talked about a little while ago on the show um, in how um, they have, have potentially up to 500,000 pre-orders. And I think the other automakers kind of saw that happen and wanted to get a piece of that because they saw that there is a genuine interest in electric vehicles. And now that Tesla came in and was like, hey, we're going to open up all of our patents so you can just take our stuff, make it, go for it. Let's have competition. Let's do it. Um, I think GM's really going to test that and see if one of them can beat Tesla into owning the market for having the highest quality vehicles. I think everyone now wants to beat Tesla because they're seeing them as a serious threat. And they're, they're going to have to pick up a marketing department, I think. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You have to get on that soon. Too much competition. You got to do something to get yourself out there. Yeah, because I don't know about you guys, but I'm like every time I see a car commercial, that it's like every single one of them is best in class for something. I don't understand. <laughs> like I heard somewhere that they like make up this like hyper specific classification for that particular vehicle and it's the best in class, but also they don't tell you it's the only one in that class. So yep. it's it's the best because it's the only one that's in that that, that it that fits that category. 
But they're like, oh, this truck won eighty seven hundred awards at last year's auto awards. I'm like, who who's giving out these awards? What Joe's Crab Shack gave it out an award for best GMC truck? Like, get just, out of here! Just bought eighty seven hundred dollar store trophies. <laughs> <laughs> Participation awards. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> Oh, man. We're going to start calling the GM producers snowflakes by the end of this podcast at this rate. (laughs) (laughs) Participation awards. Um, But I think that with this, I'm curious as to how not only the rest of the industry is going to react, but how Tesla is going to react with introducing all of these cars with their current infrastructure of electrical charging um, posts. Because Urban showed me a map of it one time and there was probably there was maybe 10 or 15 in the city area kind of going into the greater philadelphia area but when you introduce five hundred thousand new model three owners in the span of two years you're gonna really see those choke up there's i just don't know if there's enough if there's enough of a of an incentive to get unless they rapidly expand that infrastructure which i'm hoping they do and i've I've read a couple of articles. They do plan on increasing it by about a thousand charging stations, but I'm curious to see how, like I said, if the other, if the rest of the industry adopts a standard similar to the Tesla stations, say like, Hey, our vehicle charges at the superchargers for Tesla. We have the same technology. It's, or if you're going to see like, you have to take your Volvo EV car or your uh, Volkswagen EV car to a branded charging booth, kind of like how, people tried to corner the market on cables and computing in the eighties and nineties. Quote unquote Apple was notorious for that, especially having like their own screws for computers. But like I said, I'm I just wonder if we're gonna see this if we're gonna see competition get that dirty or if it's gonna be everyone adopts the standard that Tesla introduced and everyone plays nicely with each other. That's the easy way, obviously, because like you said, Tesla opened everything up, so Mm -hmm. it would be really simple to do that and be like, hey, you know, let's all work together to build more posts so there's more options so we can keep pumping these cars out. Uh, I think what you're going to see happen first or the the first big step will probably be someone partnering with someone like Sunoco. So, hey, you can go to the gas station and charge over in this section and like they'll have booths around the country in a popular gas station that's around the entire country so you're not running into issues like that. Mm-hmm. Right, yeah. and and that'll that'll be like an exclusive thing. So say it's Volvo first, they'll they'll make the deal, and you can charge all your Volvo cars at Sunoco, and you'll see commercials for it and stuff. So, right, yeah, that's a good point. And I feel like it'll it'll be kind of something along the lines of the way the cellular companies work with with the three G networks, where they kind of lease each other's towers. It's like, well, we might just move in and kind of you know make some uh, adapters on these on these points if we can. Just pay Tesla if Tesla's the first on the scene. Mm-hmm. I mean, they they do have the infrastructure for it. I mean, they've already been building it ahead of the game, so. Right, and these ve- these uh these automakers, unlike Tesla, have the sheer size and scale and funding to be able to kind of rapidly introduce their own standard or even just mass produce vehicles with, uh, sure. with of so many different varieties. Like um, this article from the Associated Press mentions that Tesla made eighty four thousand cars last year, but some of its rivals like General Motors, Volkswagen, Toyota they sell around 10 million a year. So these guys are working on a completely different planet from Tesla, let alone like a different level. So being able, like it's going to be cool to see electric vehicles made at scale from an established 
very well connected electric or automaker such as GM. So I don't know the well, future. The future's bright. Yeah, my my question there is: I know Tesla they they made the patents basically open source, but I want to see them be able to produce the batteries that Tesla is producing right now. Right. As we're going to mention later, you know, relating to the gigafactories, that no other automaker has anything to that scale. Mm-hmm. Exactly. <laughs> in terms of, uh, power storage. <laughs> and not only that, so. but their software is extremely well optimized for taking care of that battery. Also. Right. So I'm, and I don't know about you guys but auto manufacturers haven't exactly given me any confidence in their ability to produce good software like case in point is like every infotainment system ever in any car that comes stock like i it's usually just a heaping pile of hot garbage like i have i use android i use android auto in in my car but the only thing that limits it is the volkswagen infotainment software that is almost routinely crashing behind android auto (laughs) (laughs) so i'll be like listening to a song and then my whole head unit just reboots (laughs) makes sense yeah i'm just like oh cool like make a car that has android auto running in it natively or exactly or apple carplay or a combination of the two depending on whichever phone you hook into it kind of like that um black mirror episode where the guy's getting into his car and he sticks his phone in the center console and the whole car just like lights up Yes. with his own software <laughs> that's what i want that's what i want yeah that, i think that would make the most sense but yeah. it's, it, all, it all comes down to that money man yeah sell yeah. me a shell i'll put the software i'm used to seeing in it <laughs> <laughs> and tesla makes good software they still have to they, they have to work out a few kinks to make things a little more smooth and kind of get their their deals worked out for that um but i think we're going to see that going forward now that you have a economy class car coming out which hopefully could give Tesla the funding to expand their production rapidly. So um, I'm excited to see the future for Tesla and to see where this takes them, if it's a make or break moment for them, because in a way it is, it's to see if they really can compete in the, in the consumer class vehicle to make the every man's electric car. Yeah. And <laughs> I, I do want to see more integration between solar city, which Elon Musk also owns and um, Tesla. I know he built the power wall for storage in, in, in the home and you can use solar, you do solar panels on the roof and, and power the Tesla power bank basically in your garage. And then from there you can charge your Tesla car and, and mm-hmm. hopefully in the future it gets big enough for that. Right. So we'll see more integration. <laughs> right. And with the, uh, the rolling standards, it'll be good to see that possibly work with other car makers too. So like you'll be able to charge, let's say your like your Ford car or your Volvo electric vehicle, kind of, kind of hinting at the next topic. But <laughs> but um, like I said, it's it's exciting and the way that Tesla is going to have everything play together, it would almost make sense for the other manufacturers to kind of play to that hand to see everything be a lot more smooth and. So we don't end up at another like dongle war or adapter fight between the <laughs> manufacturers. Side note, dongle is one of the weirdest words ever. It really is. Can we talk about that for it a second? It really is. <laughs> dongle. It's just such, it's so weird. So weird. <laughs> I'm, I'm, and, as bad as moist. <laughs> and they're, and I lose any dongle I've ever had, I've lost. So let's, oh. <laughs> let's start right there. Yeah. P- any third-party wireless controller for PlayStation 2 or PlayStation 3 had that stupid little dongle on it, and I lost them. 
all the time. I worked at GameStop. People would come in all the time and not have the dongle. And then I would say dongle, and they'd be like, what are you talking about? I'm like, the piece, the thing that made it work. Yeah. <laughs> Where'd it go? <laughs> How do you not have it? And it's like, so, same as you, man. I lost it. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> Where's your dongle? I don't, I, that's a good question. I don't know. That's, um, but yeah, it's that word, man. Sorry. It brought no, back. Right. It was like it was like flashbacks to to my GameStop days. Sorry. Dongle was right up there with moist in in my vocabulary with, <laughs> with like equally hated words. So I'm right, I'm right there with you. Good, good. <laughs> but um, speaking of dongles, and by speaking of dongles, I mean I'm changing the topic to the next subject. Um, Volvo <laughs> is going to completely phase out their combustion engines by 2019. <laughs> <laughs> combustion dongles the same thing combustion dongles yeah that might even be a show title tonight <laughs> but um so the the plan is for volvo to go to kind of steer us back on topic is to phase out um the production of purely combustion engine vehicles starting in 2019 that that being said it's a little bit the article is a little bit alarmist or it's kind of like it, it it makes it seem way more like way more sudden than it actually is because what they're going to do is they're going to continue to produce full combustion vehicles as it makes the small upgrades they introduce with each new model so they're going to continue their models for the lifespan of that model vehicle so you're not going to see them be like oh this is the new EV variant of this car and you won't see that until as late as 2025 so they're going to let their existing vehicles um, lifespans kind of putter out before they begin to completely convert them. But every new model they introduce is going to be at least a hybrid. So interesting that this Swedish auto manufacturer Volvo of all car companies is taking the plunge into moving to the electric vehicle thing. But then again, when you think about it, um, the Scandinavian countries have always been super forward thinking when it comes to their society and their approach to the environment and to social, um, just social socioeconomics and just taking care of their people. Like Denmark replaced all of their police vehicles with Tesla Model S's, for example. And Finland has sweeping laws to take care of their employees. But that being said, it's nice to see that a company that has global reach finally making this step. Because Volvo sells in almost every country. I know several people with Volvos. <laughs> <laughs> so it's it's cool to see that this is the first one. And I'm wondering if with the positive press that this car company is going to obviously get by making this pledge, I wonder if we're going to see any of the GM con- uh, GM companies or even the German or Asian auto manufacturers making this step too in the coming years. Well, I know that China is uh, is trying to really push manufacturers over there to to have more electric just to keep emissions down because mm-hmm. there's just the pollution and smog over there is out of control. Right. So like they are requiring that a certain percentage of vehicles each year. I think, uh, God, I, I lost the, the year I was looking at it earlier, but they were, um, they're asking that a certain percentage of every manufacturer's uh, vehicles that are released by a certain, I think it was 2019 or 2020, uh, be electric just to cut down emissions. Like they're requiring that it happen. So I, I, I think that 
that you could see it happen there pretty quickly just just due to that fact. Mm-hmm. And that would be a good push from for the Asian car market since I'm sure they provide that's probably their largest demographic and their largest market that they sell cars to. So it would be worth it might be worth it to just completely change all of their production lines over to hybrid or EV just as a result of even that. And I wasn't really aware of that, so that's actually pretty cool. I didn't I didn't know that. The only thing I did know about the the Chinese initiative was did you hear about their elevated bus scandal that's kind of happening? They I made, did see that. They, they raised one point three billion or something. <laughs> they made what an, they made this all electric it's called a TEB. I'm not sure what the acronym is, but it's something elevated bus. And <laughs> it's a bus that runs on it looks almost like a table driving down the street. It has really high <laughs> like legs that come down and the bus drives over traffic kind of like, it's like a moving eating. tunnel oh yeah. jesus <laughs> and there's a huge scandal now with that company that the chinese government has arrested almost all of its uh biggest um biggest runners like the biggest pr representatives and the higher ups in that startup company for actually a lot of fraud in how they collected money for this so like this vehicle is now it's just a shell sitting in a garage now, but um, mm. it was a cool concept, but now it's, you're seeing all these little crazy shootouts of EVs and these fun people embezzled or not embezzled, but they like fraudulently obtained 1.3 billion and just flat out lying to their investors. <laughs> that sounds like something out of Harry Potter mm. going over the traffic. Yeah. So we won't have any tunnel cars anytime soon, unfortunately. I'm disappointed. <laughs> I just learned about it and got really excited. Looked up a picture, really excited again, and now I'm disappointed. So. That vehicle was built on a tower of lies. <laughs> <laughs> so you should just change your opinion on it now because these it's not legs happening. are shaky. <laughs> <laughs> just like their constitutions. <laughs> oh, <laughs> but um, it'll be. Like I said, going back to Volvo, I'm I'm excited to see that there's this huge push in the auto industry to move towards electric. And I think like we were talking about not even 10 minutes ago, almost all of this can probably be attributed to Tesla and not any one move by a particular government or any move by a consumer push. It's just one man and one objective gaining popularity as people finally see that, yes, this actually can make money. So I do want to I do want to say that the majority is probably pushed by Tesla and their battery capacity and how it's incredibly increased over the, over right. the last couple of years. Mm-hmm. But I do also want to like kind of say that I think the millennial generation that's up and coming is is the consumer push that is pushing for this. I mean, we are more aware than ever before of you know modern technology and the way we affect the world around us and how how weather's being affected and stuff like that. And we're just we're more green than we ever have been before, more progressive mm-hmm. as a collective. Right. So I think it, this generation, it's it's just a little different. So, you know, we're we're becoming the main consumer, our age group. So, yeah, and it's uh, even this article, the the Bloomberg article on the Volvo um, series, goes into a little bit of that with Tesla. It says they're scaring the traditional automakers into action, which may not be scaring them because Tesla's a much smaller company than say BMW. But BMW said that their electric iNext will replace their 7 Series as its flagship. And the 7 Series, I think, is probably the the typical BMW that literally everybody has on the streets going around. And the fact that it's planning on replacing its flagship vehicle 
in as early as 2021 and expects battery powered cars to account for almost a quarter of its sales by 2025. That's insane. And Volkswagen, due to their insane amounts of cheating on their diesel engines and being caught multiple <laughs> times in it, what is probably a combination of being afraid of Elon Musk and also the sheer number of lawsuits and like PR mm. recovery they're trying to do, they're also trying to accelerate their rollout of electric. It's hard to it's hard to fake emissions with electric vehicles when you have no emissions. So, <laughs> <laughs> so it's it's exciting. Um, and then even even Porsche is getting in this, according to the article, with their all electric Mission E. So it's I, I'm it's good to see that Volvo is the first one because they're like I said they're still big and you're gonna see this race i think going forward i'm hoping at least to get cars off of fossil fuels whether the industry wants them to or not and i feel like unfortunately i feel like gm is probably going to be the last one to fully commit to electric vehicles but that's just because of the different market and the different needs of the american people versus other countries but that being said i think that with all these other cars moving in and you'll start seeing these all electric vehicles just flooding inner city traffic. And I think that's going to be almost too lucrative a market for every other industry to completely ignore. Right. So I think whoever, uh, whoever makes the first electric pickup truck is going to make a huge difference. And like, I'm only half <laughs> joking. I mean, it's like that's a good point. It's they're some of the most popular vehicles on the road. They get more commercials than luxury vehicles in Lincoln and Matthew McConaughey. Like they get more commercials <laughs> than than anybody. And it's it, it's there's clearly a market for it. So many people use them. I my girlfriend's brother has two of them, and he mm-hmm. runs a landscaping business. Like it's people need to be able to haul. I think that's going to be a huge factor. Whoever does that first successfully is, is going to, is really going to start to either edge out or take the lead or whatever, whatever you have, but right. And it's going to be a big moment. Some of these vehicles are going to be SUVs. They haven't, I haven't seen anything specific with, um, with pickup trucks, for example, but I think you'll probably start seeing that once GM starts to move in. Cause that's kind of been their cornerstone with vehicles is like pickup trucks and, SUVs and all-terrain and in that type of market but if someone else decides to move there first that'll that'll force GM into the game I think yeah I think that's going to be the way that even these um, Asian companies and these German and European car companies I think that's going to be how they break into American markets I think you'll see a couple of them introduce um, all electric or at least hybrid um, pickup trucks for the time being Mm -hmm. until the batteries are strong enough to support a pickup truck yeah, and I think that's a really good point, Kyle, because agriculture is huge, too. You want to see farm tractors, combines, like all the big machinery, bulldozers, you know, construction vehicles, cranes, all of them eventually being powered by electricity. You know, That would be huge to get motors that powerful without right. combustion oh, yeah. engines. Something I've been saying, and I don't know if we've talked about this on this show, but something I've always thought was a great idea was for – everybody knows how the U.S. post office is doing terribly right now. They're not – doing they're like they're not making a whole lot of money a quick way to generate press is to take that stupid 35 plus year old box that drives around dropping off mail to everybody's houses and replace it with all electric vehicles like just have these vehicles go back to the depot plug them in at night 
take them out on their mail routes, kick them back, plug them in. It's they don't drive much. I can't imagine they have that many miles on them. You don't see them on like the turnpike. <laughs> Knowing the post office, they look exactly the same. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> same even, box. That's fine. Even if they just lift the shell, put an electric <laughs> engine in, and then put the car back down, I don't care. <laughs> I just think that's like that's a quick move they could do, and that's it's unrelated. But I think like if you see that happen, I think it'll it'll just start clicking and make more sense. Like Tesla and. Uh, Mercedes, I think, are working on electric semis for the trucking industry. Yeah. A mail truck is so much easier. <laughs> it, it is. It's, it's so much easier. It's a huge market. Right. And you know what, too? I mean, if, you, if you're driving like 65, 70 on the expressway and you look to your right and you see a mail truck <laughs> flying past you, you know something's going on with that mail truck. Yeah. <laughs> that dude's not delivering mail. Yeah. Zero to 60 and how long? <laughs> Oh man, <laughs> I I don't think I've ever. I, I think that would be more concerning than relieving to see that next to me on the turnpike. Yeah, Just exactly, seeing, exactly. Yeah. You know something's going on. If... Mm. And um, like you were saying with torque for the pickup trucks, going back on the semi thing, Tesla's semi. Um, just a, a quick stat that Elon was throwing out, and it could have just been to generate hype, or it sounds like it's a legitimate objective of his. Um, to get his semi truck to be able to tow a fully loaded gas powered semi in neutral uphill. So I think when people see demonstrations like that, which is almost unheard of because I don't even think any semi in today's society, aside from the ones that like move houses could even be capable of doing that. So just to see a semi meant to replace the standard shipping industry trucks being able to do that is insane. And yeah. that kind of push, when people see what trucks can do, it's just a quick step backwards to get towards like pickup trucks and the torque that those things will be capable of. Like I'd imagine you'd be able to see an electric car in the future capable of towing maybe three or four of like the best in class pickup trucks in the in the US. And I say best in class very hesitantly. <laughs> 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 but it's just like I said. It, this this step is exciting, and Absolutely. I'm I'm curious to see how this is going to impact the market. and And I'm also very excited that this is a show full of mostly good news. <laughs> um, just to to ruin that real quick. Um, okay. <laughs> Take us no, back not, down. Not, not not too much. Not too much. But um, what do you guys? Just because I, I was scrolling through the article and I happened to see it. Um, the Bloomberg article. What do you think that our current, how what kind of a, an effect are, do you think our current regime could have on how quickly GM gets into the into I the like, game or or the, the bigger companies get into the game? The quick comment on that first is I like how you said regime, and the second <laughs> the second comment is that um, I think that this is even kind of subverting the po- the politics of it, just because you're seeing the companies do it themselves. It's not. Good any point. kind of legislature like the like president trump can say whatever he wants really about uh take about rolling back emissions laws and rolling back the environmental policies but if the companies do it themselves it's out of his control exactly so uh, that that's and how if the I demand think. is there they're going to just do it so exactly yeah the free market will make the decisions for them whether it's controlled by subsidies or not and i don't think 
no matter how many subsidies you give to the coal industry, I don't think that's going to work to stop this oncoming of electric vehicles and lithium-ion batteries. There's already 10-plus states that have have rules in place to ignore those uh, or whatever, uh, their own rules in place to, to avoid getting affected by any potential scrap of, of uh, countrywide rules. So mm-hmm. I, I didn't think it was going to have a huge impact. I just wanted to get your guys' opinion on that since I saw it. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people will probably point this to say that um, this was the point of rolling that back to let the states decide this on their own. But I I think that politics aside, this is a good move regardless. And I think that no matter what people do or what laws come out, whether it's federal or at the state level, I think this is going to keep going forward no matter what people say. So um, this is th- that's the reason why I'm genuinely excited to see companies like Tesla, Volvo, Volkswagen, BMW push these plans forward in such an aggressive way. So, but taking that topic and running forward again, we have further extensions made to the to the lithium-ion battery industry uh 10 new gigafactories have been announced and six of them have been planned in literally june alone so (laughs) these are and the the thing to note is when you say gigafactory people immediately think of tesla's gigafactory but these are gigafactories that have been put in place by other companies that are trying to get in on this like, um, for example, you have uh, companies like Daimler. People know that one. It's like, I think that's basically the GM of Germany. Um, Energy Absolute in Thailand, Boston Energy and Innovation, Charge CCCV. Just all these companies are announcing to build like at least 15 gigawatt hour per year, one gigawatt hour per year plants that are just designed to just introduce hundreds of millions of lithium ion batteries into the market. So what do you guys think of the of all these factories which are going to according to the article um more than double the production of lithium ion batteries. Do you think this is going to be good for the market? Do you think there could be some potential downsides? I'm I'm curious to see what your thoughts are. And Kyle you're muted. Yeah. <laughs> And you're still muted. Still muted, man. <laughs> Hello. Hey. <laughs> there he is. There we go. All right. Um, yeah, I think that more is good as long as all the safety precautions are taken like they have been, as long as they find even safer ways to keep producing them. I mean, it's the more that are out there, the cheaper it becomes, the easier access there is. I mean, it's it, more is usually good, especially for, for things like this and technology. And uh, it's, I don't, See that obviously there's going to be some downside, but I don't know what they are on the surface. Looking at it, it's it's only excitement from my point of view. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and yeah. These I'm are sorry. go ahead. Oh, you're good. These are I was just going to say these are being produced on what looks like almost every continent in the U.S. or in, not in the U.S. in the world. So like, that's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> so every continent that is United States of America, every single one. <laughs> <laughs> but um, what were you going to say, Ryan? I'm curious in your thoughts on this. Well. Just, I remember uh, Elon Musk, I, th- I believe he, he mentioned it earlier that he wanted to build more. I remember I saw a documentary on it when they were, sh- I, re- I saw a documentary on the original gigafactories they built and how they're entirely self-sustaining plants. And not only are they self-sustaining, but they provide a significant amount of energy back into the grid. Mm-hmm. So I see this and I'm like, 
kind of going back to what I said last week, where he's like, maybe he's like a super villain. Like he's trying to control all energy. <laughs> he suddenly, he's, suddenly he's going to expand and produce a lot more energy, you know, around the world. I mean, it's great. It's all it's all clean, renewable energy, or you know, it's all green energy. So it's it's mm-hmm. nice that it's just powering himself. He's providing energy for others. It's awesome. But exactly. again, if it becomes it's just a series of gigafactories that control the grid over time, <laughs> and considering the amount of energy they do produce, it's very significant. I mean, exactly. Yeah. I don't have any and, actual numbers in front of me on like what they actually put back into the grid, but I remember seeing the documentary it was pretty substantial. Can't argue with job creation either. I mean, that's always a big factor. It's I see here that they said um, the backers of the Eastman the Co- Eastman Kodak Group uh, they're building a a similar factory uh, in Australia, and they said it, it could create almost seven thousand jobs. And that's just one of these ten factors. Yeah, this is exactly. Wonderful. Yeah, and it's going to be interesting to see um, the one. I have the only concern that I have is that these companies kind of come together and agree on producing these batteries in as clean of a manner as possible because yes. unlike things that most people are led to believe, whether uh, like all these cell phones and cars and stuff that we have, they may run clean, but the process to make them is not clean at all. So the process of mining the raw materials and um, converting mm-hmm. the raw materials into the parts necessary to build these cars, that process is extremely pollutive, if that's even a word, and introduces a lot of bad stuff, to word it as simply as possible, into the environment. So I I hope that they kind of agree that they should take as many steps as possible to be as green thinking as possible when they build these factories. Just because we do have some people who... Uh who aren't as tech savvy as listeners uh what is there any other simpler explanation or any other details that people should know when we talk about a gigafactory besides just they mass produce lithium-ion batteries um there's not much else to it um yeah i didn't think that's all i know about it but i right again Um, figured i would clarify for everyone yeah like i mean just to throw some numbers around um most of these plants are slated to be produced in the coming decade and Kind of the article um, is expecting the battery pack prices to fall to $73 per kilowatt hour down from this isn't every price you're going to get in the market today, but it's a volume weighted average of 273 uh, per kilowatt hour in 2016. So it's dropping $200 per kilowatt hour by 2030. So it's it's an average, but the fact that you're seeing a drop that substantial means you're going to see anything that runs on a lithium ion battery drop in price. So electronics are going to become more than just a commodity. They're going to become just, you'll be able to, I think you'll see this golden age of portable technology with the oncoming of lithium ion and the increased funding going into researching more efficient lithium ion batteries. Because until the first gigafactory came around, there hasn't been too much competition in that, in that space. So, that being said, I mean, that's probably some of the stats, some of the, maybe some of the nerdier people who follow this closely would be interested in just the impact that it's going to have on the industry. And um, the one concern with that also, um, this is outside of my concern, the article goes to mention that um, it's not clear that the resource supply exists yet for all of these factories. So we're going to see expansion in lithium and cobalt supply such as like i said mining and 
the industry is required to get these parts for the lithium-ion batteries. So when you have all these people vying for supplies, I hope it doesn't become a price cut thing where the cheapest and dirtiest solution makes it to market before everything else. So that being said, um, the industry is going to, I think we're going to see this, this change in the market. Um, Tesla's of all variety are going to drop in price because the most expensive part on those things is more likely the lithium ion battery itself. So, um, it's, it's going to be interesting to see this because this, a similar thing is happening in solar right now. We're seeing companies getting into the market and increasing giant solar firm factories to be, to be produced to drive those prices down. The same thing's happening with lithium ion. So I don't know. I'm like I said, this is an, this is an excitement packed first half, just all good news for the environment going forward. Assuming people are following proper practices and nobody's cutting any shady deals on the side. Yeah, I, I also looked up that documentary I saw about the, the uh, Gigafactory. It's the National Geographic documentary 2016, Welcome to Wild Carpathia. It's actually it's really informative about what actually the Gigafactory does and how it functions. Mm-hmm. What's that called again? Just, just to repeat it. Welcome to Wild Carpathia. It's a National Geographic documentary from 2016. Okay. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, thank you. Now I have it in the audio form so when i get to this i can listen to it and look for it <laughs> yep <laughs> i have used this show before to find things that were mentioned that i could look up for so it's good to, it's good to have this audio backlog <laughs> so i'm gonna sound like an idiot here uh but i think that's what i bring to the show so um uh, I'm, as i'm reading the article about the uh the gigafactories so what exactly does do they mean when they say uh, so? For example, by twenty thirty, experts uh, expect battery pack prices to fall to seventy three dollars per kilowatt hour. What does that mean? Um, it's kind of like how uh, your phone battery is measured on milliamp hours, and it's just a measure of how many kilowatt, or it's a measure of the kilowatt used in an hour, or how many kilowatts per hour that it uses. So it's just a battery measurement on the efficiency. And okay. um, the lower that price gets, that means the more efficient these batteries are. and Or just there's just more of them in the market. So um, I think a higher number per kilowatt or per hour, a higher number of kilowatts an hour is better. It means the battery is more efficient. And cool. I'm not the right person to be asking this. Irvin, I think, knows way more than I do about that. And I'm sure he'll be correcting me when... Uh, when he listens to this. So if you're out there, Irvin, I'm probably wrong. <laughs> and if you're curious about it yourself and you're listening to the pod, feel free to reach out to us on the mm-hmm. Facebook and the Twitter and That's in true. the comments on iTunes, all of it. Yeah. Let us know what you think. If anybody or if you have questions, Irvin will answer them because he yeah. is the gigawatt genius. Exactly. Yeah. Gigafactory if, genius. Even just Kilowatt to correct me, genius. call me out, yell at me, whatever. <laughs> it's fine. Just reach out. I'm okay with that. So actually, I got to go back. I, unfortunately, I, I made a mistake. It's actually called Before the Flood. It's still National Geographic. It's called Before the Flood, the documentary. The it's flood? actually got Leonardo DiCaprio as the narrator. So Really? Yeah. <laughs> Any, I don't think it got nominated for any Oscars, though, right? I don't believe oh. so. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> hey, he's got one now. I can make those jokes. <laughs> he's got one now. So, okay. Um, that being said, I think... 
think we're getting around time for our first break. So um, with that, uh, this has been the first half of the show, and we'll see you in the next half. Welcome back, part two, episode nine here, Industry 4.0. Returning with, sadly, the smallest group to date, myself, Matt, Ryan Thompson, just the three of us. But it's been a fun episode so far, uh, and I think it's going to stay fun. Last week was 10 years, the 10-year anniversary that the social argument died forever and the iPhone was released. <laughs> um, Truly I don't know a legendary if- time. Yes. <laughs> I don't know if either of you uh, had the first iPhone. I know I did not. I actually had no interaction with it. But I remember it being a big deal when it came out. My one friend uh, actually worked uh, for Apple in uh, high school uh, and got his hands on one, so I was able to interact with it. But I remember it being a big deal, and obviously Apple and the iPhone are still a big deal today. What What is your guys' reflection on that moment in time and how it's changed really where phones have gone since then right um i actually had the 3gs as my first official smartphone so i didn't have the first ipod my dad actually did have the first ipod but um i was using the 3gs and i think that was the first iphone to have 3g signal the i the original iPhone, if I remember correctly, only had two G. So, yep. yeah, and to see a phone introduced in such a way, like I mean, I don't know about you guys, but I'm Steve Jobs. I think is for call him what you will, and um, the people outside with their fireworks are probably celebrating this. That's definitely why, not because it was the Fourth of July or anything, but I think mm-hmm. he was easily the most celebrated. Um, just entrepreneur of his time and the way he hailed in this phone and the impact that it had on its industry i think is going to be felt for decades going forward i think in business schools around the world people learn about steve jobs as like the go-to guy to showcase successful marketing strategies and aggressive pushes forward and um this phone is just the monument built on that success. It's a culmination of all of Steve Jobs's work and the celebration is getting a little more intense outside. <laughs> <laughs> but um what do you guys like what do you guys think? Like is I I don't even know like how I remember a world before smartphones. I'm young, but I'm not so young that all of my life has been surrounded in smart technology. I do remember some things, but like today I don't know how far along I'd be able to get without a smartphone. I think it's, you can almost attribute this to this basically. 
So, what do you guys think? What was your first smartphone? And I'm just I want to get the session going on like what people think of of this phone and of Steve Jobs and just the ten years that have passed from then to now and how the world has changed as a result of it. Because I, I think. Mean, that, I- I'll go for, go for it. I mean, Steve, he was a visionary. I mean, it's mm-hmm. there's no other way to put it. The dude saw something. He with his team, they created something that literally changed the world. I mean, it, yeah. it it's it seems crazy to put it on that scale, but I mean, everything has evolved since then. I mean, you literally have all the information you could possibly ever need in your pocket at all times, and that trend really started with the iPhone. I mean, it's like I said, Blackberries were there before and we talked about it during the during the break, but I mean I I mocked people with Blackberries before the iPhone came out and then I continued to mock them for not upgrading to the iPhone because it was a Blackberry. I mean, mm-hmm. it's it's done so many things to to change the landscape from getting more people to be able to put their product in people's hands through the the App Store, through making everybody a photographer to it's it's my first one was the 4s i was late to the game the iphone 4s my first smartphone ever i had a uh a, i started with the nextel chirp like the little chirp things i had one of those where you could hit the button on the side and talk to people <laughs> and then uh, i went to like an lg chocolate and then i had some other phone that i don't even know what it was and that was the first phone that i had that I could take pictures well the chocolate could take pictures but it was terrible and then the first phone that i had that was touchscreen was the next one after that and then my friends all have iPhones. I'm like, what am I doing with this piece of trash? So <laughs> I eventually got one. And like I said, I didn't need it until I had it. And now I couldn't go back. Mm-hmm. It's and even, changed the way that I've lived. It's changed the way that arguably everybody lives. Like this Recode article, on it just shows a, a several statistics based around the iPhone and its impact on the market. I mean, even looking at data traffic in the past like seven or eight years, um, it skyrockets from not even a terabyte of monthly usage all the way up to 2017, where now you have almost 10 terabytes of data usage on phones. So everybody's moving from smart from their previous uh, technology to phones, and the phone is replacing more and more aspects of people's lives. Like um, the article goes to mention that. In 2011, 50% of photos of all pictures were taken on a smartphone, whereas in 2017, that number is now 85%. And that's compared to cameras and tablets. I don't know many people who take photos on tablets, but that even that number is still substantial. Smartphones are just dominating people's lives. So, and it's creating all kinds of revenue for people. The app store is one of the greatest, like that. I think that was what made the iPhone what it is today. The app store, the ability for an easy in for people to publish content for the phone that they use in their daily lives. And it's, it's the 5th of July. (laughs) 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 Kyle, you're muted, but, um, what were you going to say? Leftovers. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Got to use them up sometime. I'm just not going to go on mute anymore. That's fine. But um, it's it's just phones are going into every part of everybody's life. And a lot of people who worked on the original iPhone said that was a big fear they had. They were afraid that that was the direction that people were going to go. 
and that they were going to be that people were starting like they went to a Starbucks or to a coffee shop nearby and they looked and everybody was just sucked into their phone screen and they were like, is this do the do the positives outweigh the negatives? Like, um, I don't know how you guys feel, but I don't know when a child, for example, should be exposed to technology. I, I don't know if that's come across in your daily activities, Kyle, if you have anything on that. I, I wanted to avoid it as long as possible mm-hmm. uh, just because I didn't grow up with it. And in my mind, I was like, oh, well, that's the way you should grow up. But it's a different generation. He's mm-hmm. Why shouldn't he have access to the things that are available to him? Like, mm-hmm. I, my dad bought like the encyclopedia Britannica for the computer the second we got it. And he wasn't, he didn't keep that from me because he had to physically buy the encyclopedia set when he was younger and look through stuff for projects. Like, why would I keep the availability of entertainment away from, from the next generation when he's going to have to know it? He's going to grow up with it his entire life and he's going, if he doesn't know anything about an iPhone or an iPad by the time he gets to the, the, he's 10 now. If I had held off until he was 10 to give him access to any of this stuff, it, he would have made fun of for the last five years. I mean, it's just like, it's unfortunate, but they would have been like, oh, you don't have an iPod with a loser. Mm-hmm. Like, it would have happened. I, I don't want him to have a phone yet, but, you know, it's everything else. I mean, it's give him what's there, man. Like, it's why not? Yeah. Yeah. That's one and thing it, coming out of the IT field uh, that I noticed, like the, the bandwidth, the range that smartphones have affected, the range of people. Because you can have people come in that are just totally computer illiterate, like they don't get Windows at all, but they can fly around on a smartphone, you know, like everybody can figure out a smartphone. Mm-hmm. It's, it's marketed towards everyone, kids, preteens, and they're growing up with these these tools, basically, that, that help them interact with each other and the world around them. So... I know one thing, when I was growing up, uh, my, my parents they used to limit my computer time. I love playing computer games. They'd be like, you got like a half hour day, rots your brain, you know, you hear all the, like, these arguments and stuff. Yeah. It's like, well, it's a good thing I did. It's a good thing I fought for so much time because it kind of got me to the job and the career path I had today. It gave me a natural aptitude for computers, which I would mm-hmm. not have had otherwise. So, I right. mean, the ability to get into your kids at, at an earlier age, it, 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 it's, you know, it's costs and benefits. It's, it's, the benefits will outweigh the risks down the road, I think. Right. And I think that on those notes that it it is good to offer people access to the modern technology, but at that same time, it if it gets to the point where it's like almost mirroring an addiction, like they were saying in this <laughs> yeah. article that people spend almost two hours a day on mobile internet, which still hasn't surpassed television, but it's a substantial chunk of people's day. And that's spent purely looking at a screen, and that's probably... I feel like that's a little bit on the conservative side. Like I think some people spend way yeah. more time looking at mm-hmm. their phones, and I'm guilty of that. Yeah. I I have to admit that I'm yep. someone who Same. is on their phone regularly, and it's just something that is taking over people's lives. Like the one cool stat that this article has is that um, the cumulative change in U.S. gums sales since the iPhone came. I out, was going to bring that up. Yeah, <laughs> it's I love that too. Yeah, it dropped almost sixteen percent. It's down negative 16% from where it was in 2008. And it's and because that's supposed to be an impulse buy. But like, oh, you're waiting. You see it last second. I need some gum. Mm-hmm. But now you're just sucked into your phone, not paying attention to anything that's that's a quote-unquote impulse buy anymore. I mean, I saw it at GameStop. The more people who walked in with phones, the less I was selling the stuff up front. I had to – we had these two big marketing uh, stations 
where you put a different marketing at the top and then there was like a little shelf that came out that we could put gift cards on and then underneath that shelf was hooks to put stuff on or shelves and i was just like if they don't catch it out of the corner of their eye no one's looking down there while they're waiting anymore because they're sucked into their phone so I was like, let's get rid of this thing. Just put the hooks directly in the wall or put like baskets or something that's something colorful that's going to catch your eye rather than this generic thing. And it's and they started doing it at all the stores just because they were like, oh, yeah, that's a great idea. Why would they get – if people can't – if it's if we're not forcing them to see it, they're not going to go out of their way like they used to. It's changing the way that marketing's done, setups are done in stores. The impulse buy is basically gone forever. It's, it's done a lot of things to small industries like that. Right. Oh yeah. The, when I'm in the store, I'm about to make a big purchase. I always check it online first. I got I got a mm-hmm. price check and yep. stuff, and I'm always whipping out on my phone. Got to check it. And the other thing is, I, I mean, I can't imagine. I mean, my parents grew up with roadmaps. You know, they they drive around, they go on road trips and stuff like that. You use a roadmap. Mm-hmm. I remember when I was in Boy Scouts as a kid. They teach you they teach you orienteering. You got to you got to learn how to use a roadmap. But these days, I can't hop in an Uber without the Uber having a smartphone. You know, you, you don't even have GPS units anymore. It's all smartphones that that control your mapping of the world, all the, all the roads you need to use and access routes. And it's it's hard to think of a world without it. So I can't imagine how the new generations will grow up or if anything catastrophic ever happened in that system. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's at the point where it's so many people are buying into this that the like ad revenue and the money made in focusing on mobile, I don't think it's going to get better. I think people are going to spend more time on mobile because these companies are seeing that it's so valuable. So like uh, they're saying there's another stat like this article, this record article is great. It has all these charts detailing out all the different things that Apple has impacted directly with the advent of the iPhone and going forward from that time. And the other article they mentioned from 2007, starting at zero with mobile ad revenue going all the way up to surpassing desktop in 2016 or it's going to surpass it in this year. It's going to be making around, they're estimating around $107 billion. And Mm. as in 2019, you're going to see it more than doubling the revenue of desktop based ads. So we're very rapidly moving towards a mobile world and um, it's, it's almost 60, like they said, 63% of Apple's revenue. So it's it's definitely their main focus. And um, I remember listening to another show and seeing like documentaries about Apple's process. And during the release of this phone, it was so um, tight wrapped. The original iPhone that he put on stage, he had like two or three very well rehearsed scripts that he could follow with the iPhone Otherwise, it would completely break. Like this thing, the unit that he had on stage did not work for anything besides <laughs> what he demoed it for. And he actually, I think he had several of them on his person um, that were working at doing very specific things. Like one was really good at showing off like the email feature and that was all it worked for. One was very good at looking through the photos and one was very good for music and stuff like that during the keynote. And... Um, I remember the documentary they brought up that during the keynote, whenever a certain, because Apple stocks the front rows with all of its developers and all the people who had a hand in developing it. Um, during the keynote, um, when Steve Jobs would get to a specific department's contribution to the iPhone, every time a demo was successful in 
in, in its demonstration on public, they would all take a shot <laughs> in the front row nice. of the keynote. And they were saying <laughs> that by the end of the keynote, that entire like first three rows or whatever was just hammered. <laughs> that's awesome by the end of the like show that game <laughs> yeah so every time they had a successful demonstration they would all just like quietly like take a shot of bourbon or like whatever they brought to the keynote. nice so <laughs> but it's like, they, and, like you could even okay. hear it and, <laughs> and you could even hear it in the audience i mean how loudly people cheered when they saw this thing and they saw what it was capable of but <laughs> Um, just that's <laughs> very distracting. <laughs> just to see, oh, you're good. Just to see, like what this phone was capable of at the time and how well received it was, is like a hallmark to its impact on the industry and why it's important. Because I would argue it's the reason why things have panned out the way they have. Um, like ten years ago, for example, in 2007, it would have been unheard of for the president to be communicating with literally the world via an mobile application on like, the toilet wherever yeah <laughs> on the toilet in bed wherever you want and the fact that there's a series of communications directly from the president where he may or may not have pants on at that time is remarkable <laughs> like, it's it's something that people going back hundreds so of years couldn't even dream of yeah I mean, you have to leave it open-ended like that because in the end, we really don't know. There will be paintings <laughs> right, right. Of, the, of those moments made for sure. <laughs> and like all of these are going into the National Archives too. So, I mean, official oh, yeah. communications from a mobile application and all of it is whether, whether directly or indirectly a result of what happened on June 29th, 20, or 2007 or 28th, whichever specific day. Um, I mean, it's, it's a testament to just how far along they've gotten. And like I said, it's Apple's biggest source of revenue and it's what put them on top of the big four companies that are out there, General Electric, Exxon, Microsoft, and now Apple, um, going all the way back from 1987 to, um, June 19th, 2017, they're leagues ahead i mean you have apple at 700 valued at 761 billion dollars and the next highest is microsoft at only 543 billion and it's looking like apple is if they continue being able to push this forward they're well on their way to being the first company in history to break one trillion dollars in annual revenue or market value and that's like that's unheard of (laughs) And it's all are, because are they of, competing with Amazon on that level? Uh, Amazon, it, are they the next closest for for market value? Uh, it's the the closest I think. Um, it's compared with Exxon and GE in this article, but I think Amazon is gotcha. somewhere around four or five hundred billion. Uh, don't quote me on that specifically, but I think the I big three, know. definitely the three closest, are probably um, the four closest are the big four tech companies: Apple, Google, Microsoft, and Amazon. I think those are the four and somewhere in there probably is Facebook. Maybe they're higher than, than Microsoft. I'm not (laughs) sure, but um, it's, it's interesting. And I'm, uh, I mean, I, you can talk about it all you want, but they're, they're killing it in revenue. Their, their, their iPads may not be as successful, but um, 
apparently um the iphone also was more forced than it was an idea that he had um steve jobs and some people were talking that it wasn't so much um the need to create a new smartphone to compete with the blackberry so much as it was that steve jobs had the foresight to kind of understand where people were going where it was only a matter of time before phones were able to have enough storage to replace their existing iPods with. And from the way it looks, Steve Jobs wanted that phone that they replaced their iPods with to be an iPhone. So Yeah. Why and, should you have two devices when you can have one in your pocket? Yep. Exactly, yeah. He did Man's he genius. created Yeah. He created the iPod or the iPod because he hated how big and bulky the Walkman was. So <laughs> now he he wants the iPhone, he wants to combine all of your devices into one. And he did that when he combined a world-class in desktop power computing, like widescreen touch display with a phone and with a music playing device. It's a media cons- consumption app, a f- computer, and a phone all combined into one. And it fits in your pocket. I do want to touch on the way that this device, I mean, the iPod, which is basically the same thing in my opinion, but the, the way they changed the face of music. And mm-hmm. how, I mean, like a hundred years ago, people, what, did they even have record players back then? I mean, maybe. I, I don't uh, know. Like phonographs and basic ones, yeah. Yeah, phonographs, yeah. So now, nowadays, I think about how important music is to my daily life. Like, it's important. It helps with my, like, with moods and just daily activities and stuff, getting through. Like, it's important. I can't believe, you know, humans have existed for so long without access to music like we have today. And the fact that this was able to give us such access is, is astounding in my mind. Mm-hmm. That's that's the biggest that's the biggest point for me that this the way this changed human history it gave us music on demand you know and they they Anywhere, saw the value in that yeah. yeah and like the the fact that the iPhone it was it was like you were saying Kyle you made fun of people who had blackberries the iPhone was a much sexier approach to the consumer level smartphone device and the consumer level just even cellular device in general with an internet connection and the i'm sure AT&T is happy is is not happy but they don't regret firing the guy who announced free mobile data immediately before the iPhone was released because <laughs> it didn't take long for their servers to tank from just the <laughs> sheer number of people purchasing this phone and using it to surf the internet and BlackBerry just kind of and Microsoft all just kind of swept this under the rug and we're like, oh, this is nothing. But like you you kind of hit the nail on the head. It's a phone that people envy and it's a phone that people want. And mm. Steve Jobs was legendary at selling that story. And it's something that resonates to this day. People will always compare any Apple release to something that Steve, like what would Steve Jobs had done in this time? Or like yeah. what, what could he have done better? And do, and, in those decisions, like the iPhone killed the Palm, it killed the BlackBerry, it killed all of its competition in the market until Android was able to make a serious market dent. And even that going forward is a testament to just how much people liked this phone and how mm. much people appreciated having this technology. And the thing like when it came out, it, was, it wasn't even like that great. It just looked good doing it. It couldn't even <laughs> it couldn't even do cut and paste like you couldn't even do that on mm. the original iPhone. You had to retype everything out, and I remember having to do that on the 3GS before the iOS version that announced that came out with that feature. 
it was a very under it was it wasn't very fleshed out at the software level but on the hardware level and on the story that they were able to sell that was what the success was and the ability to kind of start this engine forward is a testament to the you're you're never going to have another Steve Jobs someone as good at delivering a product as Steve Jobs and arguably i don't think you're ever going to have a product release as important as the modern day smartphone so i think um obviously we spoke on the numbers and how how valuable apple is now but i mm-hmm. think about it i mean this is just from my perspective so correct me if i'm wrong so i didn't do any research but it took apple from having like a cult following to the biggest company like it it was only these people knew about Apple, cared about Apple, or had Apple, to everybody in the world wants everything that Apple has from now on. Like, I went from my whole life using Dell computers to I own an iPhone, an iPod, an iPad, and a MacBook Pro. Mm -hmm. Like, boom, 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 right away, my whole life changed. I mean, it's... It, they, it, I mean, that's the simplest way. It, it took a cult following and made it the biggest company in the world. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And the article even mentions that they in 2006, Apple was valued at $19 billion in revenue from iPods, Macs, and other services that they had. And in 2016, their valued or their annual revenue is around $216 billion. So it's multiplied by almost 10 times since the iPhone has come out. And if you look at all of the other sources alone, that's like they hardly even make a dent. The other services on their own hardly even account for a hundred billion annually. So if you take away the iPhone, that seems like standard growth from a market, but this iPhone just accelerated this company so far and got so many people invested in Apple's ecosystem that it established them definitely as the most profitable tech company out there at the time. And still today, they have numbers that nobody can even get close to. And it was because people, they sold what people wanted. People wanted an ecosystem of devices that worked perfectly with each other. And the fact that they're still able to do that today is great. And they're not as innovative, but um, under their new CEO, Tim Cook, one could say their advancements in in like manufacturing and their logistics and and iterations on devices have become much more streamlined. It's a little more boring, which people are quick to call out on, but they're still a powerhouse company when it comes to generating revenue. It's considered like the safest stock you can buy <laughs> if you can afford it. It's always yeah. going up. Yeah. I think I forget. I don't know how much their stock is now, but it's got to be worth over seven hundred dollars a share. So, I mean, they it got to nine hundred a couple of years ago, and they split they split the shares down to like ninety bucks a share, and then um, now they're now they're getting back up towards that number again. Like it's it's unheard of. It's crazy. Yeah. And just to think, I mean, it's one of the things that they point out in the Recode article, but it's one of the things that I, I've noticed without looking at the articles just because my brother experienced it. He got a job at ESPN, and my brother was like the last person to care about technology. Still is. He could not care less about the latest and greatest thing. You could, 
he asked me questions all the time like should i get a roku i'm like no no don't get a roku what like your tv does what whatever a roku can do he's like yeah i don't know what it is i just heard someone talking about it <laughs> like, mm-hmm. like he he literally doesn't care and espn wants their researchers to be available at all times so they bought him his first iPhone. They're like, we will pay for this and the data if you get it. Like, we need you to have it so you can be ready at any time. If you're away from your computer and someone's like, we need this right now, boom, you know how to get it quicker than we do. Mm-hmm. Like, we want you, where, regardless of where you, we, you can be on site with an iPad doing everything you could do at your desk. That's mm-hmm. what we want. And it changed. I mean, and in the article they reference that the on-demand workers in the U.S. have gone up significantly. It's up to uh, last year, 3.9 million on-demand workers in the U.S. compared to 2010, where it was 300,000. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like and it's huge, huge growth, and they they're projecting mm-hmm. like almost eight million on-demand workers by 2020, and it it's not far off i wouldn't be surprised if it's even higher than that that's getting closer to like that's 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 becoming a substantial portion of the population yeah and and that's that's a lot of people like i know i know there's dozens of people who even at my job are issued phones for the company so they can be on demand so they can answer a call if they're not at their desk or they're not available at that time so they can stay connected and that's something that apple has almost they they've pushed much further than BlackBerry I think ever could have. BlackBerry's biggest marketing point was that this was probably the greatest phone you could have for emails. But Apple came through and was like, "Hey, you can not only do emails, but you can do pictures and you can take pictures and you can listen to iTunes and you can do everything and download all of the fun apps you want and still be able to send emails." And people bought into that. There was um on some other podcasts I was listening to, um, they were talking about how um, companies were pushing were pushing to get iPhones allowed over Blackberries or to get iPhones added to the list of like of available phones that their company's software will work with and integrating it into their IT infrastructure, not because it's an easy thing to do with the iPhone, but because literally every executive had purchased an iPhone and was pushing for it. <laughs> <laughs> nice. yeah i i kind of want to go back to like what why it was why we were originally jealous i remember you're saying you're, you're jealous of your buddy's uh iphone i was too and what really made me jealous was the functionality of the touchscreen the touchscreen and how fast yes. the operating system reacted to that that was huge and that's that's what set it apart from the blackberry you had the keyboard on screen and it actually worked it wasn't like i was used to touchscreens where you could go you go to a cash register you know you sign in your signature there and they're they're kind of dull and you use that pen they're not really you know they're not really that reactive that's what i was used to i was using touch screens like that and when i saw that iphone it blew my mind i was like what yeah it's so like, it's so sensitive <laughs> and like, you know? there's you get like a kid you put them in front of a smartphone like kyle was saying and you have kids and they, they pick up technology so much better and so much faster than older people and you see them like Grabbing the phone, like, the pinching, like, like pinching the <laughs> pictures and like expanding them and zooming in on stuff. And like the fact that it was so intuitive, a kid could pick it up and figure it out in minutes that right. it was, it's, it was something that was what made them so lucrative and so valuable mm-hmm. and arguably what made people so addicted to it because mm-hmm. it was fun, because it was easy. So it's like the, the ease is, is a big deal too. They could have made yeah. it. I mean, it, that's that's one of the reasons that people still choose 
Apple over Android. I mean, it's they're all easy now, but for a while when... I remember when the Galaxy phones first became big, one of my buddies made a switch, and I was just like, yeah, but the iPhone is so much easy. It's user-friendly. Like, it just right. is easier to look at and see and understand. And then some people are just like, well, that's boring. I want something more interesting, which is a fine argument, but... That's what my... You mentioned... Go ahead. I was, that's what my that's what my fa- my parents their exact arguments like almost verbatim was for why they switched from not only an Android phone to an iPhone but from a Windows desktop to a Mac because the ecosystem was just so easy to get used to. My mom had an Android phone up until she got her first iPhone and she was just like it's so great. Like there were times where she had an Android phone where I was like oh just reboot it. It'll it'll work after you reboot it. It just gets slow. It's slow after a while. And she has an iPhone. She's like, I haven't turned this thing off in like months and it works great. Mm-hmm. And my dad even refers to Windows or Mac computers as windows that work. <laughs> like <laughs> he doesn't he doesn't like Windows nice. because it it's a source of high blood pressure for him. He just can't figure it out. And I agree with him. It's it's every time somebody who if they want a new computer or they want a phone and I'm like, do you want to be able to tweak it? Or do you want something that works out of the box and you never have to touch again aside for texting and emails and photos? And they're like, and they say, and they almost all of them say the latter. And I'm like, get an iPhone. It's so much easier. Like if you get an, I can try and sell you an Android all you want, but you're going to run into a problem with it. That's going to make you pissed off at the phone. Just get an iPhone. It's, it works. <laughs> like, I don't know how else to, that should like, be their new catchphrase. iPhone. You can't it works. It. Yeah. <laughs> it just works. <laughs> but um it's funny you I mean, mentioned some... the uh the court the, the keyboard thompson mm-hmm. i remember that was like the the argument that a lot of those like the last of the mohicans on the blackberries were making it was like oh i need i need to feel it i need to feel the clicks i don't yeah. even know if i'm touching it it doesn't have a keyboard what is this how do i know <laughs> I was, that i touched it right i was sad i could no longer text in class when i got my 3gs because i couldn't tell where the buttons were on it and I was oh, like, this yeah. kind of sucks. Good point. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was like, this sucks. And then I would like open up the app store and realize why it didn't suck. <laughs> but like, I remember, who was it? Black, didn't BlackBerry try and do a, uh, a a smartphone with a touch screen, but you clicked the screen in so it still felt like you were pressing the buttons? I think so. I think they was tried to do a capacitive so, yeah. one. They're still yeah, making Android so. phones with keyboards because they're convinced that people want keyboards for their phones. But. None of them really sell well. I'm convinced the key, the hard keyboard on the smartphone is dead. We don't. <laughs> yeah, every time the movie The Bardic comes on, he, he's texting the guy from his pocket. He's texting him from behind us. But that just reminds me how dated it is with the T9. Yeah, he can wow. still do it from his pocket with the buttons. I didn't even think about that. <laughs> every time that movie's on, man, it makes me oh, think of the <laughs> And The art of the mobster is gone now, you know? You can't, yeah. <laughs> can't text from the pocket anymore. No more oh, covert texting, man. <laughs> Although something more covert for texting, you now have like with the advent of the the, the touch keyboard, you have things like swipe text where you mm. can like swipe to write letters. And on iPhone, you can download the, the Gboard app for that. And Android has that. They have multiple keyboards that have swipe to text. And that's my one handed texting. And I can act, I can it's almost accurate enough where I can do it without looking at my phone. Like I can sit there and like. And just swipe to like get a message out and send it, and it's like intact. so. Uh, What's the one I can get on iPhone? Texting, Matt. Huh? What's that? <laughs> who are you covertly texting over there? <laughs> no sources. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the mobs. You know, yeah. 
it's the mob texting, you know, and just trying to pick up on the people that do it best. Right. <laughs> What's the app that you can download on iPhone for that? Because I know uh, Shauna uses it, uh, uses a swipe texting on her phone, and she hates texting on my phone because she can't do it. I think the best one is Gboard. It's Google's keyboard. All right, cool. I'm going to download yeah. it right now. Yeah, you might be able to get SwiftKey, or there might be like a bunch of different ones just for specifically for swiping because Apple in I think the last couple of versions had opened it up to have third-party keyboards, but I think the best one is Google's with Gboard. Ironically cool. enough, the Apple one is better than the Android version of that same keyboard. <laughs> <laughs> it gets the features before the Android one does because it's so much easier to develop on an iPhone, which is a more nerdy topic, but that's something else that that Apple did to make this market happen. They made app development easy, and they gave you good tools and good learning sources to understand how to produce apps for it. And like, um, I don't know if you guys remember those older apps. Like, I used to play like I think it was called Pocket God, like so much, and like random iOS apps. And like, there was there was the they had their old slogan. There's an app for that. Like, it was so easy to find an app that did what you wanted it to do. And now I would argue their slogan has changed to, there's an adapter for that, or as you like to call them, dongles. But I don't think that that their original point still rings true. There's so many apps. I mean, it's... Like I said, it's a way for for people who would never be heard of to get their product in people's hands. It's obviously with any smartphone, but we wouldn't be. I don't think we we would be where we are with smartphones as quickly without Apple being the the machine that they are pushing this forward. Eventually, the smartphone still would have been in in everybody's pocket, but to to be where we are uh, innovation wise and and ease of access and like you said, I mean, how easy they made it to develop for their platform is just, that's like one of those unspoken things that you don't hear in the news when you hear about iPhones is that like f- tons of companies wouldn't exist without the release of the iPhone. I, just, I wanted to go over to it, which is kind of interesting. Have you guys ever seen the YouTube video of the guy who goes over to uh, China and builds his own iPhone 7? No. Um, it's called Strange Parts. That's the YouTube channel, and this guy just goes over and he literally finds parts on the street and just anywhere he can and builds his own iPhone Seven. And just the fact that it, that Foxconn has expanded the way it has, and it's just parts accessible just anywhere on the street, and you can build your own piece of high tech equipment, <laughs> just blows my mind. I mean, that's that's where that's impressive. To I gotta watch that. Yeah. <laughs> All right, he built an iPhone Six X, Six S, sixteen gigabyte. Every part was individually bought off the street. It's crazy. Hell, there's this guy I've read. Oh, I forget the guy's name. He he started a company in New York where he uh, waits in line for things for people. So if you're like, say you want to come in and you want to see uh, something on, on Broadway, but you have to wait in line for the tickets, you're only in town for a couple of days, you go sightseeing, he waits in line for you, buys the ticket, and then gives you gives you the ticket and you pay him for the ticket and and the time that he spent in line and it all started with iphone he started the company by waiting in in line for for the iphone for somebody he was like i don't want it but he's like i put an ad on craigslist and someone bit and i went down and got there at like five in the morning and and now i have like five dudes who work with me we all ride bikes to the spots he's like it's not like i don't have to pay for cars nothing it's real easy 
Make bank. <laughs> I want people to wait in line for me. Yeah, it'd be great. But yeah, it's and there's probably like hundreds of thousands of different industries that have been directly or indirectly impacted by the advent of the iPhone. So I mean, we could talk about this. This this could be several episodes with just going mm. into the various oh, yeah. industries that have been touched by Steve Jobs' glorious iPhone. So, <laughs> I I mean, do you do you guys have anything else that you you wanted to talk about? If not, we can uh, wrap up the show. No, do you remember those guys uh, who would film the videos and put them on YouTube? Would they would wait in line for big product releases and then smash them in front of everybody? It's <laughs> <laughs> so messed yeah. up. Yeah. But I remember that being a big deal with iPhones too. That's just like, like the- yelling at them like, "I'll buy it from you. Why would you do that?" This <laughs> is like the guys that would go to the like Harry Potter book releases and then drive by and yell the spoiler out the window at all the people <sighs> waiting in line or something like that. Just like huge dick what to like the society. <laughs> Me and my friends did that without knowing the ending to a video game. We yelled it at a at a GameStop midnight launch, and then when we played the game, we found out that that was the ending of the game. <laughs> we were, it was Halo Three. We're like, Chief dies, and then <laughs> no! we got home. We played it until five thirty in the morning, and, we, and like until you get the extra scene, you're like, "Oh my god, he's dead." <laughs> we ruined it for everyone. <laughs> Oh, but man. besides that, no, I have nothing to add. Okay. Um, we can move into the show plugs. If anybody has anything, just go into the standard stuff. If you want to plug any of your stuff before we sign off for the evening. Thompson, please plug your photos, dude. You are putting oh. out quality <laughs> work right now. Thanks, you are. Um, yeah, I guess uh, if, you, if you guys want to check out my photos, I have uh, some a photography gig going on. I have an Instagram page up. It's uh, WayneRyan21. You can find it on Instagram at that address. And I also have a Flickr page that's linked at the top of that page. You could go to and find all the full resolution images if you'd like. Nice. Incredible work, guys. Seriously, you got to check them out. It it's, is. It, it, it's, it's remarkably good. It is. And <laughs> nice. you'll have to share those links with me after the show so I can add that to the show notes because I want to get you in on our on our plugs. For sure. In the description. Um, I'm going to plug the thing I plug every week. If you're a super nerd like myself and you're a nerd about everything, especially the world of sports entertainment, a.k.a. professional wrestling, I have one of those podcasts too. You can check it out. It's on air with Keenan and Kyle. You can follow uh, some of our takes live during, especially pay-per-views, not so much during Raw and SmackDown. I do give recaps on how I feel on those. Uh, but at uh, on Twitter, at on air Keenan Kyle. Uh, and then we also have a Facebook page on air with Keenan and Kyle. You can search it in Facebook and find us there. Uh, this Sunday, I'm going to be doing an episode for great balls of fire, which is this week's pay-per-view, uh, with my son. We're going to be doing another video, uh, a, a video cast. So that should be fun. Uh, and then you can also find us on potomatic.com iTunes as well. Just search on air with Keenan and Kyle. Did they announce that big Mayweather fight? I know this has nothing to do with tech, but I'm yeah. just wondering when, that Mayweather McGregor's is. in August. I think it's August 26th. Okay. Yeah, because people have been talking about it for months. And, like, people that I would never... Like, they're coming out of the woodwork, the people who are interested in that show. Yeah, it's going to be a big deal, but uh, I think I think Mayweather's going to win. Yeah. But, yeah I think just, so. It's, he's a boxer. It's a boxing match. Right, he's the boxing boxer. Match. <laughs> the other guy doesn't box. He kicks people and taps them out. Mm-hmm. I mean, he does... He punches you, too, but, like... It's it's tough to just walk in and in a year be like, hey, I'm a boxer now. 
Yeah, and they'd be like, against, oh, yeah, against you know. an undefeated forty-year-old boxer. Yeah, but these guys get paid millions of dollars to lose, so <laughs> they're. I think that's why he's doing it. Yeah, they've been talking about doing this fight for so long, and it took so long to happen because none, neither one of them could agree on who should make what kind of money. <clears throat> My God. Uh, but since this is a tech podcast, I'll go back to our regularly scheduled plugging for the sake of our viewers. Um, just uh, if you wanted to follow up with us, you can find us on industry 40 all spelled out dot podbean.com. We are also available publishing regularly to Google play and iTunes and YouTube. And you can find us all under the name industry 4.0, not all spelled out. Um, just look for the green, four with the gears and that's that's us so aside from that you can find us um on twitter at at industry 40 our we post our episodes there as well as the the current little bot that we have running that posts some fun articles that sometimes make it into our show um you can find us on facebook at industry 40 all spelled out uh just look for the image again it's the easiest way to do it and most importantly um it's what gets us suggestions for our show. It's what gets us any kind of feedback that we need. Feel, please feel free to like the, the posts as we post them. Subscribe to the YouTube channel. Share posts with all of your nerd friends to get them interested in the show and to just share the information that we're talking about because some of the information is important. Some of the information is valuable to certain people. Some of them are security-related risks. Um, just information on what the most important updates are. And just even... More important than that, feel free to rate us. It's what kind of gets us. It's what gets us to a point that we know that people are responding to our show and people like our feedback, and it's always good to hear back from the listeners. So, um, that's been subscribes it. are great, but five star reviews. Five star reviews are huge Even in this if industry. It's a three star, something we can improve on. I'm more than happy with that. Of course. Yeah. Of course. <laughs> One star is unacceptable. We'll delete you. Don't worry about that. <laughs> <laughs> but um. As for that, that's it for this week's uh, episode 9 of Industry 4.0. Just uh, looking forward to seeing you guys in the next one. 